Hello and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at LizLit on the Twitter. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And uh, we are talking to you as two people who have gotten through TCAs. Um, that, that totally happened. Uh, we did. We survived with you know, occasional boosts from quality desserts and famous people talking to us face-to-face and lack of sleep. A lot of lacking of the sleeping, uh, but you know it was. You know, I think this year, you know, I think we, I think I think we got a lot out of it. Uh, I I certainly got some unexpected opportunities that ended up that I hopefully that hopefully you all enjoy uh, discovering down the line. And I think one big thing to come out of it is that we got you know there's a lot of fall TV that we got previewed on, but even like. In the next month or so, there were shows that were being presented, shows that were being discussed and made available for our review that are coming out, like, in late August or early September. It's weird. It's weird as hell. There was a lot of kind of mixed timing on that because, like we've discussed before, and like Liz, you just mentioned, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're saving for long periods of time, you know, it may not come out until November or December, and we're banking interviews and watching the first episode and getting prepped for something that's you know three or four months out. But then there's also stuff that's starting right around the corner. I mean, we've got at least a couple shows in August, a couple shows in September that were you know big deals at the at the TCAs this time around. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of good bounce, and we're we're kind of all over the map. But I think we've nailed down a few that are more relevant to you guys right now. I mean, these are yeah. These are the shows that if you're looking for, if you're kind of feeling burned out. You're miss, you're, you know, the shows that you were watching this summer are over or ending. Like, uh, you know, Unreal wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's this uh, true Leblective. I don't know. I don't know. That was apparently a big deal this summer as well. Uh, but that show wrapped up as well. So I don't think anyone remembers that. I don't know what you're talking about. So. Are you just going to are just going to like officially like have no comment whatsoever on True Detective for the for season two going forward? I think think we've all summed up. I think we've all talked about True Detective season two enough now that that we can safely just leave it in the past, and anyone who wants to keep talking about it can find those articles where they lay. Yep, certainly they won't go away yet. But Ben, what's a show that looking forward for the next month or so that you think is something that people should be paying attention to? Well, the first one that I wanted to recommend is actually a little bit of a it's a little bit of a tough sell to begin with, but also recommending it as kind of a cure for, you know, the dog days of summer or if you're exhausted and hot and tired and you just want to sit back and shut off your brain. This is not that show. Nope. Um, HBO has released the miniseries Show Me a Hero, which began on Sunday, began yesterday, uh, with the first two parts, and they're airing two parts every week for the next two weeks, uh, six total, in case you wanted me to do the math for you. And it is dense. I mean, it is. It has got. It has a lot of characters in it, a lot of names that you kind of just have to remember. It jumps back and forth between new people without a lot of exposition, and. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, it's the opposite of True Detective Season 2. Because one, it is exquisite. And two, like I mentioned, there's just so little exposition that you kind of have to figure things out on your own. 
But that being said, they do a good job of presenting just enough information and then, you know, applying that with, with great visuals, perfect art construction, all of these very, like, gripping details that you kind of get sucked into this world, even if it's not an action-packed adventure kind of series. It's just something that, character-wise, immediately grips you and, and makes you care about all of the strong or all of the broader elements going on within it. Yeah, it's this is a this miniseries is produced by is basically created by David Simon, who of course is the man behind the wire. So you know, sit up, pay attention, folks, because this matters. And so it's, we've got David Simon, uh, Paul Haggis has direct, directed it, and it is easily I think my favorite thing I've ever seen Paul Haggis do. And yeah, it's just a it's a de- it, it I think. I think I like the idea of selling it as this is a really fascinating character oriented study of local politics because you can make um, I might have as as I was going through all six hours made some jokes about oh boy more zoning regulation uh, drama but that that stuff all is really well couched in character in the dramatic thrust of the project which is really full of nuanced nuanced discussion regarding important things that are going on right now that were even relevant back in 1987. Yeah, it, it brilliantly parallels, you know, what's going on in modern society with, with a tale that is, you know, terrifying in and of itself. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can't recommend the show enough. I've written far too many words about that in just the first two parts, which Liz was kind enough to edit. Um, and then Liz, you, you had a great interview kind of discussing the backstory and a lot of kind of the different elements that went into making Show Me a Hero, getting it off the ground, all the stuff with Haggis, David Simon, uh, the other writer whose name I'm blanking on now and I feel terrible about. Bill Zorzi. Uh, uh, right. who, Bill Zorzi, by the way, I got to, yeah, the, it, I was given very generously a lot of time with, uh, all three men at, uh, at, at, at HBO's, uh, press day at TCA's. And I think the really notable thing, I mean, I will say it was of all three, all three of them were fascinating, had really smart things to say about the show on their own level. Uh, but oh my goodness, Bill Zorzi was a delight to interview because he is a old school professional. He's an old school political reporter, essentially. And he like the whole like TCA f- madness was just like, he just did not give a shit. It was wonderful. He he was so much fun to talk with, and he was just like, oh, I'm the worst interview." I'm like, "No, you you don't understand. You're giving me like real human thoughts. Like this is easily one of my favorite interviews so far." Yeah, I mean, honestly, that goes with the show as as it is too. I mean, it's just a it's a sharp dose of reality. It's not escapism entertainment. But it is going to grip you, and you can just settle in and enjoy it for the full six hours, two hours, however you want to absorb it. Uh, you know, on on a per couch sitting. Uh, you might, you might, you might experience. You, I, I'm normally, I'm normally not one to decry the opportunity to binge view something, but this one might, this one, you know, you might pad it out a little bit. You might give it some space from episode to episode. Yeah, I've been trying to. I actually. I'm spacing it out just based on how it's airing because I'm doing those reviews for each for each night, I guess, of two parts. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was hard for me not to go on and watch the third episode after two, and that wasn't something I was necessarily expecting going in. So, um, so if you can if you can hold back, hold back. Uh, if not, I mean, it's it's still good stuff. But actually, uh, that actually matches with my experience as well. I I definitely for some reason by the end of episode two, I. 
was in, was into it like and I was into it on a level I was not expecting so uh I feel like this is damning with hate praise this is really good television you guys you should check it out yeah it's I mean yeah it, we can't say enough good things about it but it's also I feel like I'm just consciously trying to figure out kind of an an, an easy in for people like an, yeah. an easy way to say that this is something you have to watch and maybe the easiest way to do that is just saying the words Oscar Isaac because by now, it's hard to imagine something he does that you shouldn't be watching. So, mm. I don't know. Try that. But, Oscar uh, Isaac. You mean, you we've, mean talked about, we've talked about Show Me a Hero for a while now, and we've got five other shows to get to. Oh, so good lord, yeah. What, what do you have at the top of your list for summer, summer watching, binging or not? Well, uh, you know, this is, this is a show that I feel like is going to have its fans, it's going to have its detractors. It's weird as hell. But I found myself really charmed by Blunt Talk, which is the new upcoming stars comedy starring Patrick Stewart, created by Seth MacFarlane and Jonathan Ames, which who are two flavors you do not necessarily expect to taste great together. But what is really interesting about Blunt Talk, like the premise is basically Patrick Stewart is this like Bill O'Reilly-esque figure uh, who... Uh, you know, starts going off the off the wall on his live news show and then, you know, tries to keep his job and tell America what he thinks. And the thing about it is it could have gone in a very overdramatic, weird, playing the same joke too many times, Seth MacFarlane-ish path. And instead, it's a very interesting character piece at its core. I couldn't agree more. It's it's a fascinating show to watch, and um, from the get go, it has that kind of that same unique feeling that Jonathan Ames bored to death had, without being even remotely comparable. Like they're very like structurally, they're very different. It's not a genre show like Bored to Death was. It's very much its own kind of comedy, but uh, it is it is very unique and a, a, a fun show to kind of get into and one that is another one that I'd be interested to hear the different responses based on if you watched one or two at a time or if you binged all the way through it just because structurally each episode is very different from one to the next yeah like there's this one episode uh, I think maybe I believe it's episode four I could be wrong but it's much more it much more it broadens the perspective of the show to be much more focused on the ensemble. And the ensemble is a really interesting group of actors. Jackie Weaver, who uh, broke out big when she was in the Australian drama Animal Crossing, plays a major role. Uh, I really, and her, her, her relationship with her husband, who's played by Egg Begley Jr., is really cool. Uh, Dolly Wells, who's uh, an actor that just suddenly is like, oh, she's in two shows at TCA's this year. That's crazy. But she's really fun. Uh, and I'm trying to think of who else is notable. Well, what's interesting to me about it is, is simply that, I mean, when you look at the show and you see the ads and, and everything else, or if you just, I mean, if you just tuned in for the first one, I mean, it's Patrick Stewart's show. This is very much, no one's going to eclipse Patrick Stewart or even play, you know, a solid second fiddle to his, to his lead. But yeah, when they make that move, so when they made that move to, you know, focus on the ensemble, it's very dangerous to me. Like I always get a little worried when shows do that because I feel like they're already losing steam off the main thrust of their power. But this one really worked. Like this, this, these people can sustain that, um, and I, and makes me very interested to see the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, so Ben, what's another show for you that you're looking forward to over the next month? 
the next one I'm looking forward to is You're the Worst Season 2. And Woo. I feel like that's a show that's gotten it's gotten a lot of critical support, and it definitely has a good, uh, a good showing, like a good fandom out there who are aware of it. Um, but I feel like FX has been making a bigger push before season two to get it the awareness it deserves and try to expand its audience a little bit. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because it's moving over to FXX instead of airing on the original network that it was on last year. Uh, but they've got it available. They've got season one available on Hulu right now for anybody who's a Hulu subscriber so they can check it out. It's been featured pretty heavily on that uh, just from advertisements I've seen as well as tuning into Hulu myself. Um, but the second season starts September 9th. We've had a chance to watch the first two episodes. They're just as good, if not a little bit better than uh, a lot of season one. So I'm, I can't wait to see more of this show. I, it, it's just very sharp. Um, I'm a big fan of rom-coms. Anything that experiments with that genre and doesn't take it for granted gets a big win in my book, and this is definitely doing that. Yeah, I think, I mean... It, it, it's, it was such an interesting show to watch premiere. Because I, 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 I remember I checked out the first two episodes when it first launched. And I was like, this is great. This is a great little show. And then no one talked about it for a month and a half. And then all of a sudden it blew up in a really interesting... It, it started building upon... Like, I think people had the opportunity to check out multiple episodes. And that built, upon, that built up some serious buzz that has now carried through. I think I've seen a lot of... Anecdotally, I feel like I've seen a lot of Twitter chatter from people saying, "Oh, whoever it was on who, whoever it was to, who said check out season one on Hulu, thank you so much. It's been great." Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a perfect show to binge watch. I, I, I mean, it's fine if you want to watch it one by one if that's your preference, but it it really does just set a tone, sticks with it the whole way through, but carries you like on these really satisfying arcs. So, and it's I mean, it's just really funny. Like these these four core characters are very well constructed, so I, uh, I I can't recommend that one enough. It's one of my early favorites. Everybody I've talked to at the show is incredibly nice, which doesn't doesn't hurt its chances. So uh, so yeah, I I can't wait to see more of season two, and and definitely, I mean definitely, if you haven't given it a shot, if it's somehow slipped under your radar, uh, make season one a priority and, and check that out on Hulu. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those shows where you're going to know pretty much right away if it's for you or not. Like you know it. It, it it has it one of the beauties of this era of television is because things are given the opportunity to have specific tones and have strong pr- distinct approaches to material you know there might you might not love you're the worst but i feel like if you enjoy if you watch the first episode you'll have a great sense right away of whether or not this is for you and it should be for you because it's great yeah, it's it's very interesting too because i don't feel like it's one of the shows that has as many immediate turnoffs as maybe some some darker or more twisted comedies, but it isn't light. I mean, it de- like the characters in it are have, definitely have a very, um, <laughs> they just have a brash attitude and say whatever they want to say, which is very refreshing to watch, you know, from kind of a viewer's perspective. And then seeing those little moments where they kind of let in somebody and, and have an, an honest, real interaction with another human being, they, they make it so much more satisfying. So I feel like it works on a very basic level that should make it as broadly appealing as it needs to be without making it, without taking away any aspect of it being unique. So it's, it, yeah, it's a very satisfying show. Yeah. Uh, but what do you got, Liz? What's number two on your list? Oh my gosh. So this is, okay, this is a guilty pleasure and it is a guilty pleasure. I feel kind of guilty about bringing up, but it's a show that I actually had to tell you about just now. Uh, and so it's, it's gotten. It has so little attention to it, and it's on a network that 
bless its pointy little head, deserves some attention from time to time. So my second pick is the PBS sitcom, PBS ITV sitcom uh, Vicious. Solid. Um, and Vicious basically, it's basically, it, it is a incredibly broad, incredibly catty. The original title was Vicious Old Queens. Uh, that's how catty it is. And the premise is that Derek Jacobi and Ian McKellen play play basically, you know, long-term partners. They've been together for like 50, 40, 50 years. And they're incredibly mean to each other. And that's it. Uh, also, um, oh gosh, what's his name? I, I can never say his name, but the actor who plays uh, Ramsey Snow on Game of Thrones shows up as their adorably clueless upstairs neighbor who they both find very attractive, um, which is, it's so bizarre. And it's, it's, it is pure multi-cam sitcom, delib you know, punchline, 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 laugh track. It's, it's really just the fact that you're watching Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi in a multi-camera sitcom where they play gay lovers. Like that, that if that alone doesn't tickle you, I don't know who you are as a person. Yeah, it's really hard to turn down that premise. And honestly, your description of it right now is the most I've read or heard about the show in general. I'm pretty sure it was discussed at TCAs during one of my travel days, so I just missed out on this one. But I knew Ian McKellen was making a PBS show. That was pretty much all I needed to know about it. After you talking about like just the basic attitude of it, and then that. Yeah. And then the, the delight of seeing Ian McKellen in a sitcom in general sounds too much for me to ignore. So I, I yeah, I want to definitely got to be on the list. Oh, and there's such an adorable, uh, there's such adorable backstory because apparently when they were in drama school together, Ian McKellen had the biggest crush on Derek Jacobi, and Aww. now they get to play. Now they get to play boyfriends. <laughs> Perfect. It's yes. all working. Life imitating art, art imitating life. Ian McKellen getting what he deserves. Damn right. So, uh, Ben, what's your next pick? Okay, so my next pick is is uh, both the latest one coming out, uh, like farthest release out, and, uh, and one I haven't seen anything other than the trailer for yet. I'm recommending it solely on the little footage that I've seen, as well as the cast. Um, Moonbeam City is an animated show coming out on Comedy Central, starring, well... With the voices of none other than Elizabeth Banks, Will Forte, Rashida Jones, uh, Kate Mara, and the one and only Rob Lowe. So I think that's pretty much all you need to know, except if you're desperate for plot, I can tell you that it's kind of spoofing, um, it's, it's strangely spoofing 80s cop shows and cop movies where it has that very bright neon colors in its setting, but it also has kind of a, more of an Asian feel for like the animation style in general. Uh, that being said, it looks like it's very violent, very funny. It reminded me initially of kind of an axe cop kind of thing, but with a more linear story, like throughout each episode and maybe serialized, but I'm not sure. Uh, but really, I mean, Rob Lowe cracking jokes with Elizabeth Banks is pretty much all I needed to sell me on it. So Moonbeam, Moonbeam City on September 16th is what is the third one I'm looking forward to. Well, and I have to say, I'll say two things uh, in addition to that. One is that it's it's... Art, art wise, it you know you mentioned it has some Asian influence to it, but it's also riffing on like those god awful like eighties paintings that were everywhere. Uh, when if you, if you were alive during the eighties, you might remember these. 
but it's it's beautiful it's beautifully it, it looks beautifully put together and the creator of it is also a guy that uh i've been I, i've been aware i've been aware of uh for several years now and uh, he's a uh, writer producer named scott gardner and scott gardner is just genius uh he's done some stuff for the web that's easily some of the most creative and bizarre sort of projects I've ever seen. He then, uh, he's worked at Funnier Die and Conan kind of in a behind the scenes capacity and, you know, producing, producing originals, uh, shorts for them, that sort of thing. And, uh, at some point he, uh, found himself with his own TV show. So it's all fantastic. Um, and so I'm very excited to see more of this. Like we got a, the trailer that they released is pretty lengthy. Like we're, we're not, this is not a 30 second teaser. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't judge you for making your pick based on the trailer. Yeah. It was one that after I saw the trailer, I definitely tried to, it was, it was one I was hoping would show up in my inbox saying they had the first couple episodes, but I mean, that was something that was discussed more at Comic-Con than at uh, the TCA's. So we'll have to wait a little bit to see the see the full episodes of that. But I mean, you're right. The from what's on display there, it's hard to not at least not justify some level of excitement if you're a fan of any kind of adult animated comedy. I mean, it just it, the the voice cast, the animation, which is gorgeous. Like I mean, combining those colors with this animation is gives it a very unique style, which is a word I just keep coming back to apparently this episode. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm very captivated by it. I'm hoping I can watch it on as big a screen as I can get, because it really does look like something that you should be able to kind of sink into. So, Cool. But what about you, Liz? What's the last recommendation for our Before Summer Ends series? Well, uh, it's a show premiering on September 1st, then. And it is the third season of this particular program. It is a little show called uh, Drunk History. <laughs> and Drunk History, it began as a web series uh, that produced by, it eventually produced by Funny or Die. Um, I believe Funny or Die. Oh, God, if I have that wrong, I apologize. But anyways, uh, it's created by a guy named Derek Waters. And the premise is really simple. If you've never seen one of the online shorts, uh, every, every week he gets a comedian drunk. And then ask them to relay their version of some piece of history. And this is then transformed in, this is then their version of what happened in the, in, in this historical, during this historical event is then reenacted by a pretty amazing cast all the time of actors. So it's like, I'm trying to think of really like, uh, last season they had Jesse Plemons playing, uh, Plemons? Plemons? It's Jesse Plemons. I I go Plemons, but yeah, I mean, that's unconfirmed. Yes. Uh, Jesse Plemons is Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, uh, Laura Dern is Nellie Bly. And so it's like, and it's, it's, it's something where you, translating a web short to television is a hard thing to, is a hard, is a hard nut to crack. But by creating themes around every episode, making, adding, adding certain elements to it as connective tissue, it, you know, basically the shorts come together really nicely as a complete package. And it's fun. It's really fun. And you learn, you might even learn a little bit of history, Ben. Yeah. Yes, you could, you'll learn a very little bit of history given the accuracy, you know, and enacted in all of these little episodes. But I mean, yeah, it, it's undeniably fun. It, wa just watching to see who shows up next is part of the fun, but it goes well beyond that. Especially yeah. 
my favorite parts, my favorite memories yeah. of the show are when people, are, like, he's telling the story, and as he's telling it, he goes, oh, wait, 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 hold on, that's not right, and he, like, backtracks, but they walk all the way up to that point as they're acting it out, and then the actors kind of look around like, what? Okay, hold on, and then they'll, like, backtrack themselves or, like, say a sentence over again in a different way or something that completely changes the meaning or the direction of where things are going, and it just makes it so much fun. It's It's sometimes hearing drunk people tell stories is agonizing. This never feels that way, which is a credit to the people constructing the show. Yeah. Well, I think it, what, it help, what helps is that you're, when you're listening to, when you're in, in real life listening to a drunk person tell a story, they can just go on for hours and hours. Uh, this gets edited down significantly. Sure. That definitely helps. Yes. So, I mean, that's, I mean, it, it, that's the fun thing about covering TV right now is like, it took us, we had shows we eliminated from this list. Like, there are other shows we could have included depending on various qualifications or whatever. And, you know, there's never any shortage of stuff to talk about at any given time, which is why we don't sleep anymore, but does at least keep the job interesting. Yeah, I mean, we'll soon be we'll soon have plenty to talk about with the official start of the fall television season rolling around, rolling out in September. I mean, honestly, that mid-September, early September dates is kind of when all this starts to happen anyway. Yeah. And it's not even just on the not even just on the broadcast end. Like cable, you know, Showtime will have new seasons of Homeland and The Affair going. Uh, plenty, plenty to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, but Liz, might as well wrap this kind of thing up. What was the what was the best thing that you saw last week in all of the many things you've been watching since sleep is no longer an option? Well, uh, I took some time yesterday. I was like, I have nothing really going on except being very warm here in Los Angeles. So, and I, so I had some time. And so I looked at my DVR and my DVR said, Hey Liz, remember how you have seven episodes of Mr. Robot, uh, saved? Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's right. DVR. I'll take care. I'll work on this now. So I got through I made a good five or six, I think, uh, which is good because I think the season finale is a week from this Wednesday. And now I feel much more ready to talk about the show. And the thing about watching Mr. Robot, get, get, getting a chance to really binge my way through a good chunk of the season, is it highlights something that I've heard other people say, which is that it's a really interesting show, whether or not it's a really likable show. Like, whether or not it wants you to like it is a whole other question. Like, it's there's no doubt that it's some of the most interesting TV being made this summer. There have been sequences that have been genuinely mind blowing on a real level, um, and not like even everything from like a really amazing like hallucination uh, sequence that takes up a big a chunk of I think episode four to just one a a, a reveal a, a ter a, a terribly sad reveal at the end of uh an episode two weeks ago that is all basically just Rami Malek acting and geez Louise he is good at that acting thing he should look into doing that professionally <laughs> yeah I'd uh I think that there's definitely enough evidence for that he should he could consider it at least yeah yeah so Ben what was the best thing you saw last week well, Liz, this might, honestly, this might upset you to hear, but I took the opportunity to watch Review, and the whole first season, I, well, I didn't get through the whole first season, but I probably watched about seven or eight episodes, 
And I gotta say, I liked it a lot more this time through than I did after watching just one or two episodes at random last year. Um, the episode where he, where Forrest reviews racism is just fantastic. I, I, I don't even really have the words to describe how much I was laughing at that episode and how I mean, how how well he uh, he conveyed a lot of different aspects of that argument. But um, but no, I I thought review was very good. I think it's slowly losing some of its steam as it goes, where it's straining to kind of keep with the narrative, especially in regards to his marriage. But I'll be interested to see where it ends up before season two starts. Or did season two or season two started last week? A couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I, 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 I binge-viewed my way through review, uh, the review season one a couple, uh, maybe a month ago. And I was, I was, I was also surprised by how how enjoyable it was as a binging experience. I think <coughs> my biggest problem with the show coming in, looking at season two, I've watched like one or two episodes of season two, and it's just like, dude, you're being an idiot. You're ruining your life. Get over it. Like the the premise is start. I think, like you said, is starting to wear a little thin, and I. I admire a lot about it, but I don't know. I don't. I. I. I feel like maybe I'll try to keep watching season two just to see if they how they address this. But I worry that the concept just doesn't play for as long as they want it to. I. I'd, I'd argue. I mean, and I. I. I'm. I shouldn't argue this until I finish watching the whole first season. But in in regards to you commenting on kind of that that aspect where. <laughs> where he's just being an idiot and he's not explaining himself well like he never like his wife never even seemed really aware of his show at all when it was going on which was an interesting kind of separation for me just that that was never really addressed so she never suspected why he would be doing what he's doing and she didn't use that as a reason to be mad at him after it happened i thought that was a i thought that was a solid commentary upon what critics were going through and what critics can do to themselves if they take their job too seriously yeah, I mean, I, I I see that argument. I think it, I think I've seen similar approaches to it that played better for me for whatever reason. But, uh, but like yeah, like you said, there's a lot of funny bits to it, and they've got really good people involved. Allison Tolman's uh, a major part of the first episode, and you know we love her. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and speaking of episodes to come, Liz, what is the next thing you're looking forward to? Next thing I'm looking forward to is something I, I, I feel badly for not having yet watched, but it was something I put to the back burner because I didn't have any interviews scheduled around it. Uh, but the, I, the upcoming IFC, I, I think it, we're going to call it a series, but it's really more, it feels more like individual specials looped together under this banner. But the show Documentary Now, which is created by Seth Meyers, uh, Bill Hader, and Fred Armisen, looks to be a really funny, really smart parody of really funny, really smart parody of doc, a classic documentary tropes. And they do a different documentary every time. And they have a very specific style they're doing, but they're also creating original characters and a, an original world around this pro these, these, you know, ideas. And so it, it could, it could not play at all, but it looks like, you know, I feel like in general, if you get put three really funny people together and you let them kind of do whatever the hell they want, you get great stuff out of it. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Uh, that's one that I've watched it a little bit of. Lots of trailers, lots of clips, and then uh, some sections from the first episode that Vice released. 
Uh, and it's definitely you can you can feel and see the talent immediately. Like it just the, their charisma really comes off uh, strongly through the show and, and helps carry it a lot early on. Even and I that's without seeing the full arc of where they're going. Yeah. So Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Well, Liz, I really wanted to dig deep this week because I feel like I get a little repetitious sometimes. So I want to come up with something fresh and new and maybe something that people hadn't heard of or, or that, you know, at least we hadn't really delved into that much. Um, and it's this, this drama that, that's actually getting ready to come back for its second season on HBO. You it's son of a bitch. Um, it's <laughs> leftovers. I, um, Wait, I can't you said you got cut off again. You got cut off season. again. What would you say? Was it, what was it called? It's called it's called the leftovers. I I, I don't. I mean, I, I like it. I love it so much that I'm shocked myself that I haven't told people to watch this. But I mean, please watch the first season and get ready for season two starting in October. I, I mean, it's it's the epitome of of great television. <laughs> Have you heard of that, Liz? Have you heard of the leftovers before? <laughs> I'm in a hell of my own making. Oh, well, I mean. Whatever floats your boat. Just like the characters of The Leftovers. Well, I don't think... Well, part. I mean, it, we... As if, you, if you're counting... You have seen it. Okay, good. Well, good. I have seen The Leftovers. Yes, I've seen The Leftovers. God almighty. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, you know, not a lot of people have. I keep... I, I just discovered it recently, and I wanted to make sure that you know people were aware of it, and I, I, I feel bad for having... You know, not you, you withheld it from us for so long. Before, so, you know. Oh my god, yes. Okay, so Ben's pick is The Leftovers. Season 2, right. And Season 1, all of it. Watch The Leftovers. <laughs> oh, that's great. Just great. Um, I think I think that that, that that sums up. I mean, we're we've got a lot to we've got a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh and then like you like you like you said, the leftovers is coming back, so all of human civilization is finally coming to fruition, uh, coming coming to a pinnacle, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, and in the meantime, Ben, where can, you can be found on Twitter, right? Like at some, I think it's uh, Ben T. Travers. Yeah, that's that's a good way to do it. Uh, I think the best way to get a hold of you, Liz, is at Lizlet on the Twitters, and that's with an I and an E. Yep. Yep, and uh, you can find both of us writing on IndieWire.com about television. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but we write a lot about television as well as talk a lot about television. And so there, there you can find all of our reviews, features, interviews, and so forth about uh, the shows that we think you need to know about. And make sure to tune into our other IndieWire podcasts, of course, Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, uh, talking about the, the best of, of new indie films coming out, as well as film in general, lots of different topics. They're going to dig into some festival stuff, I'm sure, pretty soon, uh, with a lot of those uh, uh, schedules coming out. And then uh, our newest podcast, IndieWire Influencer, Influencers, with uh, our own editor-in-chief, Dana Harris. That can't be missed every week, so uh, make sure to check those out as well. Um, all right, Ben. Uh, well, with that, uh, we shall say goodbye, and until next time... Keep watching television.